It's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church, Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. study through the Old Testament, something that you will discover is that there are many pictures in the Old Testament that speak of New Testament truths. We see a lot of these pictures in uh, the lives of individuals. We also see them in different functions. Like if you look through the sacrificial system, there are great, wonderful pictures of uh, pointing to Jesus and the cross uh, as we see in the New Testament. But one of my favorite Old Testament characters that definitely uh, points us and reveals a picture of a New Testament truth is Isaac. Uh, and we've seen several things in the life of Isaac that point to who? Who, who is Isaac a picture of? Jesus. Uh, and so we, we've seen some great truths of Isaac and his life that parallel Jesus and his. In chapter 21, uh, we noted six ways that Isaac's birth uh, compared to Jesus' birth. They were both uh, the promised sons. They were both born after a period of delay. Both mothers were assured that God would do the impossible and give them a son. Uh, both were given names rich with meaning before they were born, uh, and both births occurred at a God's appointed time. And the most important one is both births were miraculous. In chapter 22, we noted seven ways that Isaac's sacrifice compared to Jesus' sacrifice. Both were accompanied by two men up Mount Moriah. Uh, Isaac had two servants. Jesus had two thieves. Uh, Both were delivered from death on the third day. Both carried the wood that they would be sacrificed on. Both were sacrificed on the same mountain. Both were laid upon the wood that they would be sacrificed. Both willingly gave themselves to be sacrificed. And both were only sons who their father loved and willingly sacrificed. So in chapter 21 and chapter 22, we see these wonderful pictures in the life of Isaac pointing to Jesus, these great parallels of Jesus' life. And now we come to chapter 24, and we're going to see a little bit of Isaac, but we're going to see a few new characters and a few older characters that are all going to be pointing to New Testament truths. And it's a wonderful chapter here in chapter 24. The main focus of chapter 24, if you've read it, it's actually longest chapter in Genesis is dealing with ultimately Isaac getting his bride. Uh, But as we look at this, we're going to see four main characters, and each one of these characters in the Old Testament are pictures of of New Testament truths. First, we have Abraham, and he continues to be this picture of God the Father, uh, just like he was when he sacrificed his son. We have Isaac, who continues to be a picture of Jesus, and now we have a new see here in chapter 24, which is Abraham's servant, Eliezer. Uh, And he's going to be a picture of the Holy Spirit. And then we have a brand new person that comes on the scene, which is Rebecca, which is going to be Isaac's bride. And she is a picture of the bride of Christ, us, the church. And so we're going to see the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the bride of Christ 
pictured in Abraham, Isaac, Eliezer, and Rebekah. And so as we look at this story of Isaac gets the bride, I'm going to be pointing out how it's a picture and points to the New Testament truth of how the Father sends the Spirit to really draw us, the church, to Jesus, the bride. And so let's start here uh, in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. It says this, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the old, oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom you dwell, whom I dwell, sorry, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. This chapter starts off telling us that Abraham was old, well advanced in years. And so basically it's saying Abraham was old, he was old. It's redundant. He's saying the same thing twice, but in doing so, it really wants us to understand this important truth that Abraham is now at this place where he is quite old. Uh, and this is important because his wife just died. He's at the end of his life. He's starting to now think about the future, not of himself, but of his son. And, and there's something very important that he wants for his son before he passes away. He wants to make sure his son has something before his time is up here on this earth. And that is he wants his son to have a wife. Because he knows, hey, not only do, does my son need a wife because it's a wonderful blessing to have, but God has promised that through Isaac is my seed going to continue. And through Isaac, there's a great nation that's ultimately going to be you know, produced. But in order for that to happen, Isaac needs a wife and then they need to have kids. Uh, and so before Abraham dies, this is really on his heart. He recognizes, you know, I am getting old. My wife's passed away. I don't know how much time I have left. I want my son to have a wife. Now, there's a little bit of a problem here because Abraham really wants something that he himself can't do. You see, in that time, it wasn't the, the children who got to choose you know, who they would marry. In our culture, you get to make a choice you're going to marry. In that culture, the parents made a choice as to who the children would marry. And so Abraham is the one who is going to get this opportunity to choose who his son's going to marry. That's normally how it would work. But the problem that they have is that, well, Abraham doesn't want any woman from the land of Canaan where they're in, the promised land. He doesn't want a woman from there to marry his son. And so normally you would just go and say, okay, you know what, here are the families that were around. Here are the good families with the good kids. And, and I'm going to pick this girl for my son or this boy for my daughter. And, and that's kind of you know how it worked. But Abraham, he doesn't uh, have this privilege because there's no girls that he actually wants for Isaac. And so he has this dilemma. He, he wants Isaac to get a wife from somewhere beyond Canaan, but he can't go himself. And so this is where he needs help. And the help comes from his oldest servant, which have been his most trusted servant, the one that he's going to entrust with the biggest thing in his life, the bride for my son. And so he brings in his servant and he's going to tell him something very important. Now, we're just told that this is Abraham's servant, but we're also told his oldest servant. And 
almost for sure this is going to be Eliezer. If you remember in Genesis 15:2, we're told, But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? See, and I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So Abraham's oldest servant, the one who was there, who said, you know what, he's ultimately going to be my heir if you don't give me one. You know, this is the guy that he would have brought in and said, all right, Eliezer, I have a very important role for you. Now, before we get into this role, I want you to note something that's quite interesting as we're looking at the pictures of different individuals pointing to New Testament truths. The word Eliezer means God is help or the helper. And that's quite interesting because Eliezer, as we're going to see through this story, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And that is what the Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper. Now, Abraham and Isaac, they're they're living in Canaan, but Abraham does not want a Canaanite woman for his son. And so Abraham is going to send Eliezer to Ur. Remember, that's where Abraham is from. He wants Eliezer to go back to where his family is from because he wants Eliezer to take a bride for Isaac from his family. And so Abraham is going to ask Eliezer to do two things. First, take an oath. Now, in that time, there was this interesting custom in, in taking an oath, and it wasn't very common, but if, if you were going to take a very serious oath, then a man would come and he would ask you to put your hand under his thigh and swear whatever it is that this oath was going to happen. And so Abraham does that with Eliezer. This is something very serious, Eliezer. I'm asking of you to do something very important. And here is what he has Eliezer swear. Swear that you will not take a bride for Isaac from the Canaanites, but instead you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. So Eliezer... I do not want Isaac to marry any of these pagan Canaanite women. I want you to go back to my family, back to Ur, and I want you to find Isaac a bride from my family, not just from the people there, but actually related to me. And so he's making this oath to not only, you know, you know, try to do this, but actually make the journey, which is a quite a, a distance to go from uh, Canaan to Ur. Now, here's where we have the start of this picture. We have the servant choosing a bride for the son according to the request of the father. And this is something that we see developed in the New Testament where um, the Holy Spirit is this one who's sent out. In the New Testament in John 16, 79, we're told this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, it's better that I go away. And he's speaking to the disciples who'd be thinking, you know, better that you go away. Of course it's not better. We want you to stay here with me. But he's saying, hey, unless I go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And when I send the Holy Spirit, the helper, he's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, the last time that we saw Isaac, notice that he is 
being sacrificed on Mount Moriah, and God intervenes, and he doesn't actually have to die, which was the picture also of the resurrection. And now we haven't seen him since, and we still haven't seen him yet. And so the last time we see Isaac is right after the resurrection, and now he is gone, and the father now is sending the spirit. You know, uh, uh, Abraham is sending the servant. Uh, And this is interesting because right after Jesus rose from the dead, he goes back to heaven to dwell with the father, and they send the spirit to the earth. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit as he was sent to the earth was to ultimately find a bride for Jesus. I'm going to convict people of their sin, and this show them that they need Jesus Christ and I'm going to help them see he is their groom. He is the one who has saved them. He is the one that they need a relationship with. And so the Holy Spirit is there finding people and working in their lives and drawing them to Jesus Christ, the groom. And that's something that we clearly see in the New Testament. But we also see something interesting in Isaiah 1.18. We're told, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, They shall be as wool. Now, what color wedding dress normally does a bride wear? White. And why? What does that symbolize? Purity. You're hoping that your your wife is sexually pure, waited for you, and that's what that, that dress is symbolic of. But you know what? You and I, the Bible says, our sins have made us like scarlet, red like crimson, You know, we've been stained because of our sin, and so we are a stained bride. We are a sinful bride, but the wonderful news is that Jesus does something for us. He does something wonderful for our stained sin. He takes that crimson scarlet, and he can make it white as wool. He can make it so that we can walk down that that wedding aisle, so to speak, now cleansed of our sin because he dealt with it on the cross. And so as the Holy Spirit draws people. He shows them how much Jesus loves them, that he wants to be the groom for them, that he's died on the cross for their sins, and that they truly can have a relationship with him and be pure and holy because of what he's done. So Eliezer, he's given this really difficult task, this enormous task, this great responsibility, and he has a very important question that he shares with Abraham in verse um, Next verse there. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. So Eliezer has been given this very important thing to do. Go to Ur, find a wife from my family for my son. But he asks a good question, a question that would be important to say. Well, what if I find this woman who's from your family, who dwells there, but she's not willing to come all the way back over and live here because that's asking a lot. Leave everything, your family, all your culture, all that you know, and come to a guy that you've never met and marry him. Well, what if she's not willing to come here? Should I take Isaac to her? Abraham's response is, absolutely not. 
Isaac is never to leave the promised land. God has given me a promise, not just for myself, but it's for Isaac and for our descendants. This is where we're supposed to be, and so you need to bring her to him, not the other way around. But he also says, you know what? In verse 8, if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. Basically, Abraham's saying, Eliezer, if you find this woman and she's not willing to come, then you've done your role. You've done all you can do. If she's not willing, you're released from this oath because she's going to have a choice in the matter of whether or not she's going to respond to what you share about following and marrying my son. Once again, we have a great picture of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. You see, you and I, we have a free will. And the Holy Spirit, as He convicts us of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, as He points us to Jesus, as He shares what Jesus has done, here's the perfect groom, you could be His bride, He's wanting that from you. We can say, that's great, that's wonderful, I want forgiveness, I want that relationship, I want Jesus. Or we can say, I don't want that, forget that, I'm not going to have a relationship with Him. We have that free will, we have that choice that we can make. And the Spirit of God does not force us to follow Jesus. He doesn't force us to do this. It's a choice he leaves to you and me. When I asked Jenny to be my wife, she had a choice, whether she would say yes or no. Fortunately for me, she said yes. She could have said no, but that was her choice. I didn't put a gun to her head. I didn't force her. It was something that she willingly chose to do. So Eliezer has been given orders to find a bride for Isaac to go back to Abraham's country where he was from, Abraham's family. So let's see what happens next in verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels near down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when young women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God, my master, Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master, Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of that city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And he says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant, Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So Eliezer, he leaves the land of Canaan, the promised land. He travels to Mesopotamia, which was a region, and he comes to a specific city called Nahor. And this is very interesting because if you remember back at the beginning of uh, the time that we've been looking at Abraham, Abraham has a brother, and his brother's name is Nahor. So it seems very clear that His brother was a significant person, so significant that they actually named a city after him. And so if you're looking to find someone that's related to Abraham, go to the city that's named after his brother. Most likely you're going to find relatives there. So this is a logical place that Eliezer goes. And when he gets there, he's outside the city before he enters in. That's where the wells were. And it's evening time. And in that culture, it was the women who came out and they would get the water from the wells. 
And so he's thinking, hey, I'm looking for a woman. I'm in Nahor, which is a likely place where there are, are actually descendants of Abraham, a family here. And so he stops and he prays. And this is a great example for us whenever there's some you know, thing that we're doing, the Lord's called us to do something, there's something significant. He gets there, the first thing he does is he comes to the Lord in prayer, but he has a very specific prayer. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting one because he says, all right, I want to find a woman, and when she comes, I'm going to ask her for a drink. And if this woman gives me a drink and then turns around and says, hey, I'll water your 10 camels also, that's going to be her. That's the one. Then I'll know, God, that you have blessed me, you have blessed my master Abraham, and this is the girl that is going to be the wife for Isaac. Now, this prayer really is kind of um, putting Eliezer in a difficult bind because to find this type of woman, it was actually you know, not likely because 10 camels each can drink up to 20 gallons. So imagine how much work that would be for a girl. It's one thing to say, yeah, you can drink a little of my water, but to give 20 gallons each to 10 camels, 200 gallons of water having to be drawn from a well and then given to these camels would have been hours of work. And so he's realizing, hey, I'm going to be asking for this woman who's going to truly be a servant, who's going to be willing to do this not only for me, for my camels. So he realizes this is probably not going to be the average lady who's going to do this. This is going to be a special girl. And if she does do it, then I'll know God has favored me in this. And so he throws out that prayer. And now let's see what happens in verse 15. And it happened before he had finished speaking that, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin no man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from the pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly led her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when he had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So Eliezer's praying this prayer, all right, Lord, I'm here, I need to have this woman, and I want this woman who's not only going to give me a drink, but she's going to give a drink to all my camels. And it says, while he's still speaking, before he finishes his prayer, the first woman comes, Rebecca. She's got her, you know, all she needs to, to draw water, she shows up here, and we're told that she was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. So Rebecca is Abraham's brother's granddaughter, which would have made her Abraham's great niece. Now, at this point in time, Eliezer doesn't know this information. He just sees that she's a beautiful woman. We're also told that she was a virgin. And so she comes with her uh, pitcher to get water, and Eliezer runs to meet her. He's all excited. He's had a long journey. He's hoping this is the one. He runs up to her, and he says, you know, will you give me a drink? And now here's the challenge. Is she just going to give him a drink and then that's it? Okay, well, she's not the one. Or is she going to give him a drink and then water his camels as well? And so she gives him a drink and then she says, hey, let me get water for your 10 camels 
as well. And so he's watching this and he's like, oh, wow, this could be it. This could be the one. I mean, here's this woman who's done what I prayed she would do. Not only did she give me water, she's watering my 10 camels as well. And as I mentioned, this probably took a couple hours to do. And so he's just waiting there and he's watching. And I'm sure he's excited. Oh, wow, maybe the first woman that came, she could be the one. The Lord could be blessing me right now. The answer to prayer could be instantaneous. And he's wanting to know, is my journey going to be prosperous? Did God answer this prayer? Well, Eliezer's request has been fulfilled. The prayer that he prayed, this woman has done, but he was given a specific requirement from Abraham, and it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with watering camels. The specific requirement was, you better find a woman who's related to me. I want a woman from my family. And so he's in the right area, but he doesn't know at this point in time as to whether or not Rebecca is actually related to Abraham. And so he needs to find out because she's done what he's hoped that she would do, what he prayed that she would do, but now he doesn't know if she's actually the one. Verse 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for his wrist weighing 10 shekels of gold and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feet enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his trust towards my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren, So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. So Eliezer, he's prayed. Here's this woman, Rebecca. She's done what he prayed. She not only gave him water, she watered all his camels, but he still doesn't know. Is she related to Abraham? Because she's not. That's a deal breaker. So he gets this nose ring. He gets these bracelets. He's ready. He's like, oh, I sure hope it's her. But I got to ask her, who's your father? Oh, please let it be someone who's related to Abraham. And so he asks And she tells him, and he finds out, oh my goodness, your grandfather is Abraham's brother. And right when he discovers this truth, we're told that he bows down and he worships the Lord. And he says, blessed be the Lord of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And this is quite a fascinating thing. I mean, imagine this long journey, you're thinking... How am I going to find a woman that meets this? How am I going to find a woman that's related to Abraham who's willing to come back with me? And so he just shows up at this city and he prays this prayer. The very first woman that shows up does exactly what he prays and she's a beautiful woman and she's related to Abraham. And he just thinks, man, Lord, you just totally answered my prayer all at once. And he's overwhelmed by how things have come together so quickly. And this is another wonderful picture of how the Father and the Spirit work in us. Before we ever knew about Jesus, the Father sent His Spirit to come and to speak to us, to reveal to us who Jesus is, to share with us our need for a relationship with Him. John 6.44 says, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. 
God must draw us to come to Jesus. And, you know, if he doesn't, you know, that's something that we're never going to do. And so before we ever knew about Jesus, God started drawing us and he used his spirit to do that and convict us of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, and to point us to our need for Jesus. Well, now Eliezer, he also asked Rebecca, hey, not only who's your dad, but does your dad have any room in his house for us to spend the night? Because I want to go talk to your dad. Because remember, it's not just Rebecca who gets to make a decision when it comes to marriage. It's ultimately dad that gets to make the decision. Uh, And so he wants to see and meet her family. Uh, And so now um, we're told at the end of that, she just runs home. You know, so he asks, is there room there? And she leaves that well, and she's probably overwhelmed. She's got the bracelets and the nose ring, and, you know, this experience has been quite overwhelming. And she runs home to mom to say, oh, i got to tell you what just happened today. It's been so amazing. Uh, And so now let's see what happens in verse 29. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah, saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and the place for the camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels, and provided straw and feed for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, speak on. So Rebecca runs home and she's telling her family what happened. And Laban, her brother, he sees the gold bracelets. He sees the nose ring. He hears her talking a little bit about Eliezer. And so he goes out to the well and we're going to see this man Laban more in a couple chapters when Isaac's son Jacob goes and meets with him, and he's not a a good man, uh, and we're going to see more with him, but he's very interested in this wealthy individual who's come, and so he goes out and says, hey, hey, come come to the house. You know, I prepared a room for you and food for you and, you know, stuff for your camels, and so Eliezer and his entourage and the camels come to Rebekah and Laban's home, and they give him a meal, and he says, you know what, I'm not going to eat anything until I tell all of you my errand. I want to tell you why I came, why I'm here. I'm here for a specific reason, and you guys need to know what it is. And so they say, speak on. And so now he's going to basically share everything that we just looked at. Verse um, 34 says this. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son from the family and from my father's house." You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. 
And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink, and he says to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, and Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. So Eliezer says, I'm not eating anything until I get to tell you why I'm here. And he recaps this whole story for them of who Abraham, which they would have known, uh, how God has blessed him and prospered him, and how Sarah, who they would have known as well, had a miraculous child in her old age. And now this child is grown up and he's a man. And everything that God has blessed Abraham with, Abraham has given to this son, Isaac. And ultimately, he tells the whole story of how Abraham sent him there to find a bride and how it all worked out there at the well. Well, this is another wonderful picture of how the Holy Spirit works. Eliezer wasn't just content to just hang out with the family and eat with them. He says, no, I need to speak to you. I have an important message for you from the Father. In John 16, verses 13 through 15, this is something that Jesus says the Holy Spirit does in our lives as well. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine, therefore I said that He will take of Mine and declare it to you. One of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to declare truth, all truth, to us. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He's speaking on behalf of the Father and on behalf of the Son, and he shares these wonderful truths with us. Eliezer is not speaking on his own. He's speaking on behalf of Abraham and on behalf of Isaac, and it's a great picture of what the Holy Spirit does as he speaks to us. After sharing why he came and how God led him to Rebekah, Eliezer says this in verse 49. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. All right, I've shared the story. I shared why I'm here. I shared who sent me. Abraham has sent me to find a bride for his son, Isaac. And I need to know, are you guys going to deal truly with me? Are you going to deal kindly with, ultimately not me, my master, Abraham, because I got to know if I'm going to turn to the right hand or to the left. Now, kind of the ball's in your court. How are you going to respond to all of this information that I've just given you? Well, the family has an opportunity now to respond to this because ultimately it's up to them to choose whether they're going to let their daughter go and travel to Canaan with Eliezer and Mary Isaac or they're going to say, no way, we're not going to let this happen. So verse 50 says this, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, 
The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife. And the Lord has spoke, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. So we have Rebekah's family here and now they're having an opportunity to respond. Am I going to allow my daughter? Am I going to allow my sister? Am I allow, you know, them, her to marry Isaac? And they say, this thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good or bad. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. So they say, hey, you have our permission. She can marry Isaac. And Eliezer responds once again like he did at the well. He just bows down. He worships the Lord. I'm sure he's just blown away of how all this has come together so wonderfully and perfectly. And he is excited for what has taken place. So now that Rebecca and her family have chosen for Rebecca to marry Isaac, Eliezer gives jewelry and he gives clothing to Rebecca and he also gives some precious things to her brother and to her mother that were given to him by Abraham and Isaac to give to Isaac's bride. And once again, this is another wonderful picture of what the Holy Spirit does for us when we make a choice to make Jesus our groom. And we finally say, you know what, I will marry, so to speak, Jesus. I will accept him. I will accept him as my Savior and he will be my Groom, we get wonderful gifts that come from the Father and from the Son, and they're ultimately oftentimes delivered by the Spirit. One of those is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and the heavenly places in Christ. I mean, we could go all night about the different blessings. Ephesians chapter 1 in and of itself has so many of them. Each one of us have a spiritual gift that's given by the Holy Spirit to us. And so we see this wonderful reality of when we put our trust in Jesus, and we have that relationship with Him, just like now, Rebecca does this, and it's like, now the, the, the rewards come. Now you get the jewelry. Now you get the clothing. For us, it's even far superior. Now you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now you have justification. Now you have an inheritance. Now you have this and that. And it's all because of this new relationship. We're now a bride that's been given all this wonderful stuff because our groom is Jesus Christ. And it's a great picture that we see. Verse 54. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they rose in the morning and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten, and after that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So Eliezer, I'm sure he probably didn't even get much sleep that night, but he gets up in the morning and he's ready to go. I mean, he's come for this purpose. It's worked out so wonderfully. He's ready to get back to Abraham, especially because I'm sure he's wondering, I don't know how much time Abraham has left. He came to me when he was old, advanced in age, and he gave me this role that he didn't do himself because he's too old to make this journey. And so he's given me this privilege, and this is a long journey. It's not like he's just going to drive back in a couple hours. He's going to have a super long journey from Ur all the way 
back to Canaan. And so he's probably thinking, I want to get out of here as quick as possible because I want to make sure I get the bride back before anything might happen to Abraham. And so he's ready to go and he says, okay, you know, let her ultimately come with me, send me away to my master. But notice what Laban and Rebekah's mother say in verse 55. Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least 10. After that, she may go. And Eliezer responds, but hey, wait a second. Don't hinder me. Since the Lord has blessed me and prospered my way, let me go right now to my master. And so they say, all right, fine. Let's bring Rebecca in here. We'll ask her personally, and what she decides will be the final thing. Rebecca, are you willing to go with this man right now, or do you want to stay 10 days with us, basically is what they're saying. And she says, I will go. It's another clear picture of what happens when we choose to have a relationship with Jesus and make him our groom. I think this is so interesting because so often you make a choice for Christ. And the world is right there to say, okay, yeah, I know you've chosen Jesus and and now you want to live for Jesus and you want to make changes in your life, but you don't need to do that right away. Yeah, Why don't you stay here and continue kind of living with us in the way in which you used to live and do this for a little longer. You don't need to to go and and get right now and, and go and, you know, follow Jesus like this right now. Just kind of stay for a few more days. Continue in this sin a little longer. Donald Barnhouse said this, If the world does not succeed in persuading the believer to abide in the world, it will seek to delay his exit. When you decide to go with the Lord, the world will applaud your devotion, but will say, Don't rush. Abide a few days, at least ten, and then go. Now, as the world seeks to delay you following Jesus, the Holy Spirit is always there to encourage you. No, let's go now. Let's get right now. Let's deal with these things now. Let's change now. Let's follow Jesus now. Let's not put that on the back burner. Let's not wait another hour. Let's, let's do it. You've made a commitment to follow him. You made him your groom. Now let's spend time with him and grow in him and follow him. And then there's the world saying, oh, no. And there's kind of this battle. But then it ultimately comes down to us. Just like with Rebecca. Okay, well, we'll let Rebecca choose. Because the world can't choose and the Holy Spirit can't choose because we looked at earlier, we have a free will. So really, it comes back to us. What are we going to choose? We definitely have these different influences. We have the influence of the world. We have the influence of our flesh. We have the influence of the enemy. But we also have the influence of the Holy Spirit. So Rebecca comes, and she has a choice. She could say, you know, I really would like to just be with my family maybe another 10 days. But she says, no, I'm going to go. I will leave with you, which is, is a really an amazing thing. I mean, I don't want to spend much time with it because it's such a long chapter. But when you just think of I mean, imagine being in her shoes. I mean, I'm sure it was exciting with kind of the whole story that surrounded it, but to realize I'm about to leave everything I know, all my family, all my friends, my culture. I'm going to travel to a faraway land to marry someone I've never seen, I've never met, know nothing about. That's that's pretty significant. That's a huge step of faith. That's a huge step of anything to be willing to do that. And says, you know what? I am willing to. To go, which once again just shows that the Lord did truly guide Eliezer to just the right woman who'd be willing to come and do this. So when the world tries to convince us to wait in our pursuit of Jesus, wait in growing in Jesus, we have a choice like Rebecca, and we need to say, no, I'm going to follow the leading of the Spirit right now. I'm going to continue focusing on Jesus and following Jesus right now.
Verse 59. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands and ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camel and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. So after Rebekah chooses, she says, you know what, I'm ready to leave. I'm going to leave right now. Now her family knows, okay, this is it. We're going to say goodbye, and who knows if we're going to see you again. And so they say, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them, which is actually quite prophetic because these things will take place. But then Rebekah and her maids arose, and she departed with Eliezer. And notice Rebekah chooses to marry Isaac before she can see him face to face, and now she has to go on this long journey from Nahor to Canaan with Eliezer before she ever does meet Isaac. It's another wonderful picture of how the Holy Spirit works with us in the world. We make a choice for Jesus our bride, but we don't see him face to face. And we're not going to see him face to face until he either comes for us or we die and we go to him in heaven. And so we're here on this journey, this life. We're told we're pilgrims. We're just passing through. But guess who's with us? Through the whole journey, we have the Holy Spirit. He's with us. He's guiding us. He's ultimately drawing us and directing us to the groom, just like he is with Rebecca here. I'm going to take you from Nahor. I'm going to bring you to the land of Canaan, to Isaac. I'm going to be with you all the way. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. And we see this same picture with us in this earth. One day we will see our groom face to face. But while we're here on this earth, We have the Spirit of God who's with us, protecting us, guiding us, helping us, and getting us to the place where God wants us. Story ends here in verses 62 through 67. Now Isaac came from the way of Ber Leroy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, Who is the man walking the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into her mother's t- uh, mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Notice now we have the first mention of Isaac. The last time Isaac was mentioned was there on Mount Moriah as his dad was about to sacrifice him and God rescued him from that. And we saw the wonderful picture of the sacrifice and the resurrection. And then he's gone. We don't see any more of him until this moment right here when his bride is brought by the uh, servant to him. And this is a, a wonderful picture that we see now they're together and he loves her and he brings her into his home this is a great picture of what will happen to us the bride of christ in john 14 2 and 3 jesus said in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you to myself that where i am there you may be also This is a comfort for the disciples. I'm going away, but you know, I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I've gone to prepare a place for you, you can be sure I am going to come back to you and receive you to myself. And then we will dwell forever together 
in heaven. This is a wonderful picture that we see here of Rebecca being brought by Eliezer, just like we are brought by the Spirit of God to the bride or to the groom. We are the bride, and then he loves us, just like Isaac loved Rebecca and brings him into his home. So this chapter on Abraham sending Eliezer to find a bride for Isaac is a great thing in and of itself. And we could, and I've listened to and and read different commentators who kind of, you know, built up a, um, a teaching on, you know, basically how to find a bride. But since our culture is just so different uh, from, you know, the experience that we see here, uh, I love the t- uh, just the pictures that we see with Isaac. And so we got to see a wonderful picture of God the Father sending the Holy Spirit to find us, to invite us, to ultimately be the bride of Jesus. And the choice is ours. We're blessed when we make a choice. Rebecca, we're going to see through her life, she's immensely blessed because she made a choice to marry Isaac and and be a part of this promised uh, people that God has established. And she's going to be wonderfully blessed because of it. Uh, And we are so wonderfully blessed when we join the family of God and we make a choice to accept Jesus Christ and we are now his bride and we are now the father's children and we now have all the wonderful blessings that come with it. And so um, we're about done with Abraham's life. Next chapter, only half of the chapter, deals with just the last bits of his uh, life, and we're going to see some different things that happen. But this is really kind of the, the grand finale, the most important thing that he wanted to do before he died, is I want to make sure my son has a bride because that's so important to me. And so we've been studying Abraham's life for a while. It's now coming to this conclusion. And now we're picking up when we leave Abraham to move to Isaac. And we've seen a lot of Isaac and we're going to continue with it. And we're going to jump straight from Isaac to his two sons, Jacob and Esau. And the story is going to continue with them. And we're going to then encounter Laban uh, once again when we do that. But any thoughts tonight on this long chapter dealing with just this great picture of the Father sending the Spirit to ultimately uh, find a bride for the Son. took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred to and he spoke to me and swore to me to what? Thank you. 